Welcome to the FUMS Now podcast show, where you'll gain information, inspiration, and motivation for living your best life with multiple sclerosis. Find us online at FUMSnow.com. Now, here's your host, Kathy Reagan Young. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. Today's show is all about organ donation. Cool, weird, often misunderstood topic that came to my attention because several of you asked me if MSers can be organ donors. Great question. I don't know. (laughs) So I went looking for the answer. Stay tuned to hear what I found out. But first, let me thank you for your enthusiasm about the show. It got us into the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which is just a great honor. So thanks for that. If you haven't done so already, be sure to get over to FUMSnow.com and sign up for our email list so that we can let you know when we publish a new episode or a new blog post goes live. Or if there's really any news in the MS world, we put it all out there on the email. So be sure to get signed up on that email list. I want to thank those of you who've taken the time to write a review of the show on iTunes. That really helps to get the show ranked and showing up in searches so more people can find us. In particular, I'd like to thank Guitars by Grant, who left a great review of the FUMS Now podcast show. Here's what they said. Kathy so willingly shares her knowledge and passion for all things MS. She's constantly asking questions and then shares what she knows. It's all about community, and Kathy does it best. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing and caring. You rock. No, you rock, Guitars by Grant. Thanks so much for taking the time out to write a review, and thanks for your kind words. I really appreciate it. If anyone else would like to help out with a review, just go to iTunes and search on the FUMS podcast show. Uh, View it in iTunes, and you'll see where you can rate it and review it. And thanks in advance for your help. Today's interview is with Susan Stewart, the president and CEO of CORE, which is the Center for Organ Recovery and Education. She has a bachelor's degree in nursing from Duquesne University and a master's degree in public management from Carnegie Mellon University. She's intelligent, enthusiastic, and very knowledgeable and works really hard to help people. I like her. (laughs) Let's get to the interview. So thanks so much for being with us here on the FUMS Now podcast show, Susan. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Thanks. Well, let me tell you why I came to this topic and how I found you and your group. I had uh, posed the question on my site and on the Facebook page, you know, are you an organ donor? And several people came back and said, well, can we be? I mean, we have MS, which oddly had never occurred to me, but... (laughs) um, Great question. Okay, I'll find out. I made lots of phone calls and sent emails, and I could never get a straight answer, um, which struck me as strange. But I happened to be listening to an NPR program uh, on end-of-life issues, and they mentioned your organization, which, of course, is CORE. And I looked you all up at core.org and um, sent the question of whether or not MSers could actually be donors or not. And finally... I received a definitive answer from you all, and quickly, I might add, thank you so much. So, of course, I requested an interview, of which you graciously accepted, and here we are to share the information. So, the big question is, are MSers able to donate organs? They are. 
Yes. Yay. At least, at least I should say uh, at, within uh, the core donor service area, I can't, of course can't speak for all 58 organ procurement organizations, but I certainly uh, would assume that that would be a yes across the country. Okay, now that brings us to something really interesting. So I thought, you know, this is just a quick in and out, yes or no, can we donate? But I looked on your, by the way, very comprehensive and clear uh, website, and the more I read, the more questions I had. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wish uh, it happens. <laughs> yeah. So it's so interesting, though, and I, I'm sure that I'm not alone in this. I... Um, you know, just went to my DMV and signed up to be a donor, and it, they noted on your driver's license. That's here in the U.S. Anyway, we are an international, internationally heard podcast, but this is in the U.S. Um, and I, quite frankly, just never thought about it again. Assumed that it was a government administered program, and never assume you know thought that there were federally designated not-for-profit organ procurement organizations of which as you just referenced there are 58 so can you explain that a little bit explain how this all happens and why there are 58 and sure yeah. I'd be happy give us to. a scoop okay glad <laughs> Uh, yes, there are 58 what we call organ procurement organizations, and we are all independent, and we all function with our own governing board. We do not, um, we are our own 58 independent agencies with our own staff, with our own board. We have our, we work with our own individual transplant centers, and the way in which it is determined what your donor service area will be is determined by the federal government. That would be by the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, or a DSA. So all 58 OPOs have been assigned their area. And their responsibility is to carry out community education, professional education with every acute care hospital, and education with the entire service area to promote and encourage folks to register for donation and make that pledge for life. Wow, very interesting. Um, so it so they are based on geographic area. Is that correct? That is correct. That is how it was initially designed. Uh, many years ago, there were over 100 organ procurement organizations, and through consolidation and through changes in uh, regulations, we are at 58, and it's j just trying to find the right number of organ procurement organizations to assure efficiencies for the transplant candidates awaiting the life-saving organs. Wow, that's so interesting. Um, so another thing that I heard on that NPR program that I found interesting was that here in the U.S. we are an opt-in country and many other countries are opt-out countries. Is that, is that right? That, that is correct, yes. Can you talk a little bit about that distinction? Um, yes, sure. Uh, in order for you here in the United States to be what's known as a first person authorization or a designated donor, you need to make that determination at the DMV. That is the most common place in the United States that it's determined that you would be a first person authorization. Some folks uh, also could do it in their living will if they opted to do it that way or on their ID card. And what that means is that at the time of your death, that is a legal binding document and that you are 
a, a donor and we will proceed forward with the recovery of your organs for transplant. Now, if you do not have the designation on your license or in your living will, it does not mean you do not want to be a donor. What it means is that you have elected to either not put the designation on for whatever reason, personal reasons or, or others, or you have made the choice that you would prefer that your next of kin uh, be permitted to make that choice for you at the time of your death. However, we believe that it is far better for individuals to make the choice before their time of death so that the family is not, um, does not have to make that. Right. They know what you want and they carry out your wishes just much like you do with a living will. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so you sign up, you make your wishes known, both hopefully verbally and written form to your family, friends, and doctors. Yes. Uh, there are some very specific instances when a donation can be made and when they can cannot, right? Well, we, we encourage folks not to really worry about when it can and when it cannot. We encourage individuals to be a donor no matter what and then allow us at the time of your death to work with the medical team to determine if there's any reason medically, socially, that you could not be a donor at the time of your death. We, I, no matter what, you should just feel really proud when you register to be a donor to know that you want to make a difference and not worry about at the time of your death if something will preclude you from being a donor. It's okay. the act of saying yes. Sure. I like that. Um, I just want to bounce back for a minute because I meant to ask you this earlier. Yes, MSers can donate organs, which is wonderful. But isn't there um, isn't there something about tissue and cornea? Yes, are, for t- tissue. Uh, in regards, because organs are life-saving, mm-hmm. uh, tissue is life-enhancing, and we have um, regulations from the FDA. And the regulations are very similar to the regulations for blood donation when it comes to bone slash tissue and cornea donation. And if the cause of a disease is unknown or it's an autoimmune, then they feel that we can't absolutely assure safe transplants into the recipients. And since, again, it's life-enhancing and not life-saving, uh, would be a per, uh, autoimmune diseases, there is a um, preclusion for mm-hmm. tissue. Interesting. And you mentioned blood, too. I know that you don't, I don't necessarily want you to speak to that, but it's just, I just want to kind of mention it because I was looking into both organ donation and uh, blood donation and could not get a straight answer from either. You've kind of led me down a path, it sounds like, that I could probably get a straight answer perhaps. Was it the FDA you said? Yes, I think the FDA would be uh, quite able to give you an answer. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, I want to just, I was blown away by a stat that was quoted on your website. And again, I want to direct everybody to that website. It's so fantastic. It's core, C-O-R-E dot org. But I want to read this quote, and it is, of the 2.2 million people who die each year, only approximately 2% of them are able to be organ donors. Why is that? 
because in order to be an organ donor, it requires very specific uh, mechanism of an injury, an injury that will lead to what we call brain death. Mm -hmm. And when an individual is pronounced by brain death criteria versus cardiac death, it it means that while your heart is still beating, you still have a blood pressure, your chest is moving up and down, you're making urine, you can see your heart rate on the monitor. However, you're in the intensive care unit, and that is all being done mechanically with machines and with fluids. However, there is absolutely no oxygen going to your brain because you've you've in occurred a process that's called the herniation of the brain, which causes a decompression down to the brain stem and it cuts off all the supply of oxygen to the brain that will keep you alive. And if we turn off the ventilator, your heart will stop. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very specific criteria in order to be pronounced brain dead. And so that limits the number of cases. Got it. But not anything for us to concern ourselves with that's taken on an individual case-by-case basis that uh, is a medical decision made. Everyone should, (laughs) hear me now people, everyone should be signing up to be an organ donor. Obviously you can tell which side of this I fall. (laughs) But um, so I'm sorry that I took us down that path. It was just so, such a stunning stunning stat i just had to had to ask you about that excuse me it is a it is a stunning statistic and it's one that surprises many people to realize that that opportunity is very small when it comes to brain death and organ donation that's why we really as you do i love your enthusiasm and we we have the same enthusiasm (laughs) sign up because you might be that one individual that is meets that criteria for brain death right um, uh, also, you know, I read all about the process of the recovery, which I'm sure everybody has lots of questions about. Um, and the, the conversations with the family prior, the surgical removal, uh, the delivery to the recipient, and, and, and the aftermath, um, it's all there on your website. It's so interesting. I, I just want to, again, read a quote from your website that I found interesting and, and quite frankly, very touching. So this is it, quote, CORE follows up each donation by sending letters to the donor family, hospital staff, physicians, and nurses regarding the uh, organs and tissues that have been recovered. About 14 days after donation, the donor's family will receive a letter from CORE describing how the donor helped transplant recipients. One organ, tissue, and cornea donor can save or enhance the lives of up to 50 recipients. End quote. Okay, wow. <laughs> Isn't that a great gift at the time oh, of your death? <laughs> what a gift. And what what a gift to give and what a gift to receive. <laughs> yeah. So um, another thing that I'm sure a lot of people get hung up on, but again was answered on your website, appearance is not changed due to organ or tissue donation, uh, which is really, frankly, hard for me to understand. But what that means is an open casket funeral can still take take place. So that's pretty amazing. It is. It is. It is just like a surgical procedure. It's done in the hospital. It's done in the operating room. 
and after the recovery, once you are prepared for your viewing at your funeral, if you choose to have a, a viewing, you would not be able to tell that somebody was an organ donor. Wow. Uh, but I just, for me, I would want it written all over my casket, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> um, and what a respectful process you have in place. And it takes into consideration everyone on both sides. I think that's 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 wonderful and beautiful and thoughtful. Um, and, you know, I just, again, want to say we don't need it anymore. And someone else could benefit greatly from our gift. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't, but I'll just put it out there. Um, does the donor's family ever get to meet the recipients? Oh. Yes, if, if both the donor family and the recipient choose to meet, they start by writing e- each other, and then uh, they can meet face-to-face, and oh my goodness, what oh, I bet. a moment. It is, this is truly, truly the circle of life, when you have the donor family, and then you have the recipient, and to watch a mother who had lost their child, and the heart is in this other person, and they listen oh. to that heartbeat, it's just... Uh, it's one of the greatest, greatest moments that I get to experience, and I, it's just fabulous. Oh, I bet. Well, again, I just want to encourage everybody to go to your website, core.org, C-O-R-E dot org. It's a wealth of information, and um, and it, I think it will, if you have some concerns and worries, I think it'll put that to rest. Um, in particular, Know the Facts, Dispelling the Myths, and Organs and Tissues for Transplant pages are really interesting. Um, so again, let me encourage everyone listening to go there and read up a little bit and talk about it. Um, it's a pretty misunderstood topic from what I'm, I'm gathering from those folks on Facebook that we're, uh, we were corresponding with. And bottom line is, please be sure to sign up to be a donor. It, you know, you're going to get your license anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, as MSers, we certainly understand pain and illness. We have an opportunity to deliver others from that by simply agreeing, you know, to pass on that which we no longer need. What a gift both to the recipient and and to us to be able to give. Uh, We can feel such a lack of control with this disease, but we have control in this way, and we can help other people. seems like a no-brainer if you ask me. If people have other more specific questions, and maybe questions about rules and regulations in their specific area, uh, where can they go to learn more? Is there sort of a central site for national guidelines or... There is a site. It's called the United Network for Organ Sharing, and they can go to that site. That is the national uh, organization that handles uh, all the database where all the recipients are housed. They have a great website as well. Or you can, if whatever state you're in, if you just Googled your state and then put OPO in, it would come up again um, Every hospital in the United States must work with an OPO. So every city, every county, every state is affiliated with with an OPO. Great. And if you're listening to this as you're driving or jogging or <laughs> taking a shower, no worries. I'm putting all of these uh, URLs in the show notes. So just go to FUMSnow.com and look for this podcast and all the show notes will be there. Um, before I, I say goodbye, I just want to um, give you one more fact that I found on that website and it is this. Each day, a million people await tissue and cornea transplants while every 12 minutes, someone new is added to the organ transplant waiting list. Every 12 minutes, someone new is added to the organ transplant waiting list. <laughs> 
Currently, more than 124,000 individuals await a life-saving organ transplant. Check the box. (laughs) And I'll end with that. Susan, I want to thank you on behalf of the FUMS community for enlightening us on such an interesting but often misunderstood subject. I wish you all the best in your endeavors to bring life and health to people in need of your help. Thank you so much for being with us. Kathy, and thank you and all the best to you and all of the other folks out there with MS. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you found value in this podcast, I invite you to go into iTunes, search for FUMS Now, and leave me a five-star review. Not only does that motivate me to create more free content, it also helps others just like you to find this valuable resource. Be sure to sign up for our free newsletter for more tips and tricks for living your best life with MS at FUMSnow.com. And if you have suggestions of future topics or guests for the show, please email me directly at Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at FUMSnow.com. I appreciate you spending this time with me. Until next time, remember to speak to this stupid disease like it deserves. Tell it F-U-M-S every day. Thank you.